Thank you so much for pressing play on episode 122 of A-Sides. I'm Andy and I'm very excited to share this latest episode with you. I am a big fan of Alice Cooper going back to 2010 when I saw him open up for Rob Zombie. And the thing was, I was more excited to go see Rob Zombie but left that show that night loving Alice Cooper and I've been hooked ever since then for the last 10 plus years. I've seen him in multiple states and multiple variations of bands, so it was really awesome to hook up with A.C. Slade for this episode and talk about our shared appreciation for Alice Cooper. A.C. Slade owns Catfight Coffee, and he's even got an Alice Cooper line in his Catfight brand. He's been a big fan of Alice Cooper for a long time, so hopefully you enjoy this episode of A-Sides. Hello, my little pretty. My, don't we look yuck! Come here! Look, it's rock and roll! And. cue music! Yeah, we'll stay and hang around with us. With Alice Cooper. Alice Cooper, you have been accused of mass mental cruelty. How do you believe? Guilty. Thanks for doing this, man, because I've been doing this podcast for like three years, and I've always wanted to do an Alice Cooper episode, and then a couple months ago, he made that post on his birthday, and I was like, all right, man, I'm asking AC, because he would be a good expert on Alice, but I thought I would actually start off, I went back and found your post, so I wanted to like read your post, if that's okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, So back, it was early February for Alice Cooper's 75th birthday, and you had made a post And you said, Alice is the reason I play the music I play. He was the first to make me feel like I was okay to be weird. And as an adult, there are benchmarks of my life that are marked by Alice. And you said, one of those being privileged to make the official Alice Cooper coffee. What are some of the other benchmarks of your life that are marked by Alice? So I guess I guess the first has to go back to it wasn't the first concert I went to, but it's probably like the second or third concert I went to with was Alice. And that would have been on the Raise Your Fist and Yell tour. And for me, my introduction to shock rock, if you will, came through our church. So our church used to do this play every year called the Passion Play, which was the uh, crucifixion of Christ and him, him, you know, raising from the dead and all that. And... Our church did it really well. They had a lot of fake blood. Like I remember, I, I remember the whole thing would be pretty boring right up till the part where they crucify Christ, right? And then all of a sudden, the fake blood would come out. Like the the uh, the Roman soldiers had had like little diaphragms full with fake blood. So when they would touch them with this fake spear, blood would would spew out. And oh it, man! <laughs> and he had a, a, a crown of thorns, and 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 he would squeeze the little diaphragm behind him to make the the blood drip down. And I was like, this is fucking cool, man. <laughs> so fast forward a couple of years and I start getting into rock and roll. And of course I get the the pushback from my parents about it, right? Yeah. 
see Alice Cooper and in my young mind, I tie the two together. I'm like, well, hold on a second, mom and dad. Like Alice's show, you guys will really like this because he's doing the same thing that they do in the passion play. Look, he gets killed and he comes back from the dead every night. And they and it made him flip out even more, which was using <laughs> in my mind. I'm like, I'm like, what's the fucking difference? You know? So, uh, so that would be the first part. Like that was like, that would be the first benchmark. Uh, the second benchmark would be when dope toured with Alice back in 99 or 2000 for the brutal planet. Oh, damn. Yeah, you know, but it was really weird because Dope at that time, at the time we got offered the tour, we were in the middle, our, our touring cycle had kind of ended and we were we were ramping down our touring for the year. But Alice Cooper came up and us all being introduced to Alice on Raise Your Fist and Yell, um, Constrictor, Trash. us alice cooper was like a, a modern metal artist and we did not realize that alice's audience from the 70s and and early 80s like flush the fashion from that era even even the early 80s before he kind of went away and came back and resurrected himself there we go resurrection again <laughs> um you know before he came, made his big comeback in the late 80s early 90s and so to us, that's who we thought we were going to play to. We thought we were going to play to the, the, the 80s and 90s Alice. But we got there, and Alice's 70s audience turns up in full force. So you're playing, we're a metal band, and we're playing to people wearing like Buffalo Springfield t-shirts or Emerson, Lake, and Palmer or whatever. It's time we stop. Hey, what's that sound? Everybody look what's going on. Honestly, on that tour, it was probably the worst crowd we ever played to. <laughs> because, because not only that, but us being young and dumb, we thought uh, the way to win them over is to play all of our heaviest stuff. So we were just trying to to, to brutalize this audience into liking us. But meanwhile, they're all freedom rock lovers. And what we should have done was played probably mellower stuff and maybe thrown a cover into the set or something. But we were young and dumb and we didn't know any better. So... So that would be the second one. And then obviously the third one would be when uh, Alice opened for the Misfits. That was just like, wow, there oh, we go. Kind of like a full circle thing there. Yeah, because I saw that you guys did a show together in uh, Texas. That was the one you are mentioning, right? Yeah, correct. I mean, yeah. to be fair, it was probably more a, a, a co-headline type of thing. Yeah. But still, we, we were top billing, you know? Yeah. I thought that was so badass. I would have went if I was closer. Yeah. I'm up in Illinois, so kind of haul down there but so how many times have you uh seen his show have you seen him throughout the years oh my god I, I probably can't even count yes especially after dope opened for alice and then i had a, a connection with all the the staff and alice's staff is really like family you know i mean ryan roxy's been with him ever since we did that tour ryan's been i mean he had a hiatus but but yeah. ryan's been with them kyler's been with them Obviously, Calico and Cheryl, you know, so 
Shep, you know, it's like a lot of the same cast of characters throughout the years. Yeah, I think even Chuck, too, is bass player, right? He's been with him for... Chuck's been with him a long time, yeah. So yeah. so that's enabled, you know, I had an in, and it was always like, you know, hey, I'm, you guys are coming to town, let me come out. And then obviously uh, the other benchmark, which I forgot, was uh, doing the coffee with Alice. So, yeah, so, yeah, I mean, I've seen Alice, I'd say at least a dozen times, probably. Maybe not quite that many, but close. So like for Alice, you had said like the kind of appeal was like the shock Rocky kind of that side of it. But were there any any songs that stood out to you like as your favorites back, you know, when you were getting into them in the 80s, like when you made that I mean, comeback stuff? I mean, you cannot deny what a great song Poison is. I mean, is, is it his most metal song? No. But I remember we were watching like Headbangers Ball as a kid yeah. and we heard that intro riff. And it was that in to me, even to this day, I don't think that there's another guitar lick that sounds like that. It's such a unique guitar riff that it caught our ears immediately. We were like, whoa, this is something different. This is something new. Yeah. And and ironically enough, it's a Desmond Child written song, so it is a pop song. You know, it does the 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 the, the step up at the end. It modulates. You know, it's 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 very dramatic in that Desmond Child type of way. But it was dark. It was heavy, but yet it was poppy. That guitar lick. I don't know who actually wrote that. I don't know if it was Pete Friesen or who wrote it. But if it wasn't for that lick, that lick is just like the icing on the cake that that makes it really unique you know yeah for sure it's still like stuck around in a set list like you know since then over like like what 30 years for that stand power. I mean, so that song roses on white lace loved that and then of course the 80s stuff was the gateway into the 70s stuff you know yeah. and um and ironically at that time it's like at the time that that alice started to do like right after hey stupid yeah, I guess it was Hey Stupid is when grunge started to kick off. And yeah. for me, I, I wasn't a fan of grunge. And I didn't like the direction that heavy music was going in. And so I started to look backwards. And that's when I started to get into uh, the 70s era punk, but also 70s rock like Aerosmith and, of course, Alice Cooper. So. I'm driving right up to you, babe. I guess that you couldn't see. But you were under my wheels, honey. Why don't you let me be? So going back, like, you know, you got into him through the comeback era, but then we didn't have YouTube back then. So how did you like go back to the 70s? Did you have to like root through record stores or did you get it from friends? Yeah, the record stores. I mean, and the other part of it, too, is that growing up in Pennsylvania, there, there were two radio stations. There was WMMR, which was the straight classic rock. And then there's WYSP, which w was the slightly more modern, still classic rock, but, you know, yeah. you catch something newer on YSP. And depending on, you know, who you like, I always worked blue collar jobs. So it's like you'd be on the job site and it'd be like, all right, enough of the new heavy stuff. Let's listen to the classic rock on, on MMR. And you'd hear old Alice on both of them. You'd hear new Alice on YSP, but on MMR, the one that was the more classic rock station, you would hear... Uh, just the classics. So yeah. probably through radio as well. Like, you know, hearing 18, Under My Wheels, probably Elected, maybe. 
School's Out, you know, like all, all, all those 70s classics. I was thinking back, like making some notes for this. I talked to you before, like two years ago, and um, you had mentioned that you worked for Concrete, the marketing, and you had the CDs, stuff that went out to record stores. One of the first Alice Cooper songs that I heard was from one of those compilations. It was Novocaine from the Eyes of Alice Cooper record. Okay. Yeah, yeah. That I, I believe, was that the one where you did the comic book with that? I think that was the one... Um, that was the last temptation, which was during that grunge era. The um, yeah. eyes of Alice Cooper was he was like back to the garagey rock from like the sound of the seventies band. That's right. Yeah. 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 I think he worked with Jack Douglas on that record again, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, working at Concrete was was great. That was a real education into. I mean, really grateful to Concrete Marketing for like I said, I always worked blue collar jobs, and yeah. that was a I work that was like an office job, you know, but it was it was a heavy metal company. So for those who don't know, back when uh, there was a retail component at music, back when we used to go to record stores, I feel so old saying that, but back when record stores existed, one thing you may not know is that a lot of the positioning of the records was intentional. And that's true to this day. So I know like even now, if you go into Whole Foods, let's say, the companies that have their coffee or chocolate or ice cream or whatever it might be, anything that's at eye level, that company's paying more than the wow. company that's all the way down at your feet. Yeah, not a lot of people know that. And what concrete marketing was is record companies like Epic, you know, Sony, Columbia, independent labels like Metal Blade or um, Megaforce. You name it. It, it. We worked everybody from corn to creator. You know, it, it was everything in metal. But when you would walk into a record store, it was the same thing. The, the bands that had the end caps, the bands that had displays, the bands that were positioned yeah. in the places. Concrete was the company that you would go to to facilitate that. Um, yeah, because I guess you'd have to have something with all those records coming out back then. You'd have to have something eye catching. Like exactly. So yeah. that's what Concrete did. And my job was to, to call up the record stores and say, hey, do you got the new Eyes of Alice Cooper record? Well, why not? Don't you know that he's coming to town on May 22nd and I'm going to give you two free tickets if you start playing the record in the store and if you make sure that you put it on an end cap. Now, you got to send a picture of it to me. All right. And if you send that picture, I'm going to give you two free tickets to the show. Huh. That's how it works. Yeah. Speaking of that, do you have any Alice Cooper collectibles that you've like had over the years? Ooh, you know what? I don't, and I and I should. I mean, actually, where's it at? Oh yeah, yeah. Hold on, hold on a second. I got you gotta have guy. something from your like the shirts and stuff, right? Well, here's what I got. I got this poster there, which is from when Dope played with Alice at Roseland Ballroom. This is a hand numbered screen print uh, posted by a guy named uh, uh, I think his name's uh, Enik, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, cool. And, and then right above it, we have that one. So that's the full circle right there. Oh, nice, you know? nice. But I wish I, I wish I had my T-shirts. Um, yeah, man, I really wish I had those. I saw somebody with with the, I guess it was the Brutal Planet tour. I don't remember, but maybe it was trash. My mom was giving me a hard time about wearing black T-shirts to school. <laughs> and so Alice had a white T-shirt with the logo that I'm sure anybody who's an Alice Cooper fan has seen, where it's like, his face is half a skull, is half Alice Cooper's face. There's a snake crawling out of his eyes and a spike through his head. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so it was that on a white T-shirt. And so the day after the concert, I'm walking out the house, see my mom, like, see you, mom. She's like, wait, 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 wait. You're wearing a white T-shirt? I was like, yes, I am. I'm like all proud. I thought I fooled her, right? She took one look at that at that shirt. And she's like, that's disgusting. You can't wear that to school. Go upstairs and change your shirt. Years later, we're playing with Alice. I said, mom. And my mom totally punked me in the way that only a mom can. I said, I was like, mom, you know, we're playing with Alice Cooper coming up. I want you to come backstage. I want you to meet Alice Cooper. And I want you to tell him how you wouldn't let me wear that T-shirt to school. And she goes, well, I would like nothing more than that. I'm going to talk to Alice about his T-shirts. I want to take a look at what his T-shirts look like. And him and I are going to sit down and talk. And I'm like, no, no, <laughs> you win, mom, you win. <laughs> Don't embarrass me in front of Alice Cooper. Oh, man, that's funny. Is this the one you're talking about? That's exactly the one. Yeah. yeah. It was the one you mentioned, the raise your fist and yell. Yeah, I had to go through my records and stuff. Speaking of trash, a buddy of mine that used to work at a record store, way back on the trash tour, like my friend was doing stuff with like record stores and he, he'd go up to like, I guess, periodically to like Chicago and stuff and do like conventions and things. And there was something to promote um, the trash album where they had a luncheon thing with Alice and he, I guess, rode in on the back of a garbage truck. And everybody ate, like, lunch out of those trash cans. So my friend, he uh, saved one. And then I guess he said he got Alice's actual trash can from that lunch. I, I miss the You know, it, it's funny because on one hand, if you're, if you're growing up these days and you hear someone say, oh, I miss the days of the record stores, you do sound sort of, uh, you do sound like you're dating yourself and you are. It's not to say... Like the one thing I don't like that people do is when they shit all over like current generations, like, like, well, yeah. we have it way better. So I'm not saying that, that we had it better. It's just different. And, and I miss like things like that. Like Alice kind of can't do that now. Like if you were to do something like that, like riding on the back of a trash truck out, up to a press conference, you don't really, I mean, I guess you would do that, but it, it but you would post it on TikTok or something. I don't know. It just, Something gets a little bit lost, yeah. you know. Or even, I guess, uh, speaking about generations and stuff, I guess now it's like we've got YouTube and we've got, I guess, more access to music. I do see what the older generations are saying because there used to be a cool promotional stuff to like tie into the album, like even the concrete stuff. And I think that's why I like how you do throw in pics or uh, stickers and stuff because it's kind of like the thing in the cereal box, you know, getting the prize out. A hundred percent. And that, and that's always how, uh, we look at it. We always look at it like, like the, the prize in the cereal box because music being so accessible these days, there's a lot that's great to it. There's a lot that's really good to it. And you can't say that it's better or worse because it's here, you know? So you have to stay in the present moment. Uh, Look at all the benefits. Like, uh, have you heard this band Beartooth? Are you familiar with them? I've heard that name before. Yeah. I don't know if I've checked them out. They're they're kind of a modern metalcore sort of band. And we we saw them the other night by chance. And they were fucking awesome. Hmm. And and I could go home and immediately be like a fan. You know, like like as soon as I went home, put it on Spotify. It's like, oh, yeah, I remember this one live, you know. And it it was really cool to to be able to immediately immerse yourself in that. but, but yeah, but like back in the day when, when the, the, the thing that I do feel what was better was that, you know, obviously anything that you buy or anything that you have to work for, you value more. Yeah. And 
feel like the, the, the value to, to, to music and even to musicians to a degree is a lot less than it was. Um, I guess, yeah, to that point, it's like I could go through my records or CDs and be like, oh, man, I remember when I bought this this day or the day it came out. Um, I guess you could probably do the same with like albums. You know, you remember. Yeah, I'm like that with albums. But nowadays, I don't really buy albums, you know. I, I like I said, that's why I can't I, I can't shit up, shit all over streaming uh, when when it's my favorite way to consume music. You know, like yeah. I would love to tell you that I have a really nice record player and I love to go over and put on a piece of vinyl. That's inconvenient. It stops after 20, 25 minutes and then I got to get up and change it and flip it over and then it gets dusty and you got to clean it and all that jazz. It's a pain yeah. in the ass. Yeah. So I do, I do listen to it. But for me, it's guitars. And to me, every single one of my guitars or basses uh, tell a story. So for that yeah. that reason, I mean, the reason I play the the, the Gibson uh, SG basses is, you know, Dennis Dunaway, 100%, you know, from Alice Cooper Band. You know, his Green Frog bass was just, I just thought that was so cool. And yeah. it seems like many people played the, the SG basses, but, you know, anytime I think about it, I always think of him, so. Did you ever get a chance to see any of the kind of reunited shows that they did with the original guys? No, but uh, when I saw Alice at a show, I forget where it was, it was in Connecticut, I think? And Dennis Dunaway was there, and he was sitting like right next to me, and I was trying so hard not to to nerd out and and disturb him. You know? <laughs> Did you talk to him at least? Oh fuck yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wasn't gonna let the, the moment pass by, but yeah. I, I I I waited till after the show, waited till the time was right. I spent so much time working on his on his his bass playing. When I played with Joan Jett, it was really. When I got the gig, you know, it's like you think it's going to be like Bad Reputation and I Love Rock and Roll, which are, are pretty pretty easy songs to play on bass. But what not a lot of people realize is that on a lot of those albums, Chasm Sultan from uh, Utopia played on those records. And Chasm is just like a session god. And you oh, could tell that what he did was he was like, he's like, oh, three chords and, and an awesome drum beat, I'm going to fill in all the space I can. And so his bass playing was just amazing. And I knew I had to get my chops up. And so a lot of Dennis Dunaway's playing was what I sunk into to, to kind of get my chops up to that, to that place. So it was pretty funny to just be like, dude, if you only knew how many nights I sat there under headphones listening to your playing, like... <laughs> There's a lot of people who can say they listen to the band that you played in, that they listen to your songs, but I was really listening to him, you know? You were studying it. Here's something really, really random, speaking of his playing, but I was listening to even some stuff recently, and Billion Dollar Babies, like, I love that song, but there's some little thing, I think it's bass, right? Where it's almost like a motorboat, like... Oh, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, like, how did, how does he do that? I guess he just slid up and down the bass, maybe? It seemed like all those old school, the old school 70s albums, there's always stuff that I'll, I'll listen to them and I'll hear like little parts that I've never heard before, or there's always just weird like sound effects too. Yeah. Well, I mean, probably a lot of that was Bob Ezrin, but yeah. it, there's a really good book and the name escapes me now, so I feel like an idiot for not knowing it, but uh, it examines Alice Cooper doing the Billion Dollar Babies record, Led Zeppelin... And who's the other band? Fuck. It huh. examines all three of these bands at that time period. And I probably can't remember the other band because I was so 
I was just reading it for the Al Scooper bits, you know. Yeah. But actually, Dennis Dunaway, he may not have. He does have a book that I've got, and I read it quite a while ago. Yes. He did play on Billion Dollar Babies. Okay. And he did, right, he played on Billion Dollar Babies, Muscle of Love. I know there's some stuff, too. When you go back and look at that, though, there are other people that Bob Ezrin had come in there, like Dick Wagner and guys yeah. like that. Steve, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, is uh, it Steve Hunter? Steve Hunter, right. Yeah, yeah, of course. Steve Hunter, I think, played on Billion Dollar Babies, I'm pretty sure. Do you have any favorites out of those original band albums? Like, does anything... Yeah, love, love it to death. Out? Love it to death. And probably because, uh, I mean, Ballad of Dwight Fry is just one of my favorite songs I've ever. I've got to get out of here. I, I got to get out of here. And just that, that black and white cover with the spotlight, except for Sunrise. That 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 song, I, I, as a kid, it made me mad when that song came out. <laughs> I was like, wait, you, you have the ballad of Dwight Fry and then Sunrise early in the morning. I was like, what the fuck? Sunrise filling up the hollow. Sunrise filling up the hollow. It is, man. I was even listening to that the other day, and it kind of stands out, like or sticks out like a sore thumb. So maybe they put it at the end. Somebody explained it to me and said that there was a reason for it, and and even like they're like, no, 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 because and I don't remember what it was. They said, oh, the reason why it's blah, blah, and I'm like, yeah, I don't care. That song sucks. <laughs> I hate that song. Yeah, <laughs> especially because it's right after Ballad of Dwight Fry, which is just such a like to me. It just like that's a song that like it's a mic drop. You know what I mean? It's like, after that song's done, you're just quiet for an hour. And then not only is it, like, that should have ended the record, perhaps. Yeah. And then to, to put that other song on there, it's like, don't get me started. <laughs> I had a friend that, he even just said, he thought Dwight Fry was like a like a five-minute horror movie in a song. And it really is. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And to your point, I mean, there's the story of how um, Bob Ezrin, you know, put Alice under folding chairs, like piled a bunch of folding chairs on him for the for the whole, I gotta get out of here. I gotta get out of here. For that whole part, so that you would feel really claustrophobic and closed in, you know. So, yeah, back then, and I don't know that people do that as much as they used to these days, you know. Yeah, it'd like, probably be like Pro Tools or something. Yeah. Well, have you kept up with any of Alice's albums over the years since he still put out like records regularly? Yeah, the la the last record was really good. It was that the last one was D Detroit uh, Stories, I think. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, which which is great. It's really hard to like. How can I say it the right way? Like one thing I think somebody like Jack White's done a great job with is when he goes to record an album and to make it sound analog, he goes all in. Like he's really recording it to tape. He's really, you know, every every aspect of it all the way down is analog. And I think that one of the things you have to be really careful about when you're trying to make an analog sounding album is you, you, you just have to go all analog. You know, you can't, you can't bring in that digital world, you know, yeah. got to have some tape hiss in there. You've got to have some noise in there, you know? Uh, so you're saying some of the newer stuff kind of, kind of lacks the, it's, I think it's a little glossy. Yeah. The way that it shouldn't be. Yeah. 
Yeah, a little bit too much shine. I kind of think the same thing. Like that's why I I mostly listen to his live records because you're just getting like more of the raw, more that's of a the great, rawness. That's a great point. Like yeah. I'm sure that when they recorded the the uh, '70s era, and not just Alice Cooper, but like Aerosmith or or whatever bands you want to compare Alice to from the '70s, yeah. when they were recording that, they were trying to be state of the art. You know what I mean? Like they, they didn't know that, that they were getting tape hiss or, or, or that they were getting compression from this or compression from that. To them, they, they, they were going for the, the best that they could get. So it's kind of weird that you have to deconstruct things a bit, dumb them down. I don't want to say dumb them down, but that's the best I can think of, you know, to, to get yeah. it to sound dirty and gnarly, you know. Or even speaking of that too, like the production stuff, keeping up with the times, but like, like what's the one, Flush the Fashion and some of those ones that he did that were... Yeah, I guess more keyboard heavy. I didn't. I didn't listen to those as much. But then he did some songs live, and how I said they sound more raw. Like I took a second look, and he's even got some like really wicked lyrics and stuff. Then if you actually pay more attention to, yeah, clones. I think was one that he started to do recently. Is that right? Yeah, clones. And then there's one. It was like pain from that album, and I completely like never even remembered that song. I think that's one thing Alice is, is great at too. Is he he's really good at playing the hits, yeah. Playing playing stuff that's off the new record and playing a couple of deep cuts. You know, he he always keeps a couple deep cuts in mind. But it's always funny for someone like me who's such a, a rabid fan because i don't think there's any deep cuts you know what i mean it's like it's like what do you mean what do you mean a deep cut but i still did destroy her and i will smash in the world like like to me halo of flies is just as important as schools out you know what i mean so i don't see them as deep cuts it's more like Oh, he doesn't play that one quite as much, you know. <laughs> I guess besides like the show, his stage show and his lyrics, like what do you think the enduring quality is overall for Alice or the draw? Alice, Alice always has what the only way I could think to describe in it, and it's totally cheesy, but he always has the eye of the tiger. He always brings it. And one of the things that, that people really underestimate about Alice is if you took away the guillotine and if you took away the electric chair and if you took away all the props, you still have a consummate performer. You know, you still have a person you can't take your eyes off of. And that's because every time he steps up to the plate, he swings and he's aiming for the bleachers. Every time. He never phones it in. Yeah. Never. Good point. Yeah. I even realized something too. There was one time where I was front row it wasn't like there was a guardrail or anything. I was actually leaning on the stage like this, just looking up. And I realized something from that angle. There's so many moving parts, too, for that show. Like, And it seems so like rehearsed, like, like not in a bad way, uh, but it's yeah. like more like if they moved a different way, they might run into each other or like some of the people that bring out the Frankenstein stuff. Yeah. It's just like there's so many moving parts that it's like, whoa, it just kind of blew my mind how. Well, it's it's, it's well thought out and, yeah. and well produced or well, I think well rehearsed is, is a good word for it. Yeah. Um, yeah, because it still looks like chaos, but it's like organized chaos. 
or sure. something. And that's yeah. that's the beauty to it, you know, the chaos. Yeah. yeah. I think you made a good point because, like, for me, the draw or the enduring legacy is how he's, like, I was looking at the makeup or the appeal like that, like the shock Rocky thing. But, like, you saying that he's just the consummate performer is... It is, yeah. or like a key piece of that puzzle. I mean, he did that tour a couple of years ago with a bigger headlining band. Yeah. Who had a lot more production. I think he just mopped the floor with that band. Yeah. And uh, to be honest with you, that's why when 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 we did the show we did with him, I would say I wouldn't say I was nervous, but I was almost kind of. There's almost some. There's almost something even bolder or or scarier watching him without the props. Mm-hmm. He was like, he would just look through you. His eyes would just look right through you. Like, I felt like you could tell that he was like, all right, I don't have my guillotine. I don't have uh, my electric chair. I'm a 70 year old man. I got to go out there and kick these motherfuckers asses. I feel like that fact was never lost on him at all. And that's kind of terrifying in a way. And you could just see it in his eyes. So when, when when we did the show that we did with him and he had all of his props and he had all of his staging, I was like, I hope that Eye of the Tiger goes away a little bit. <laughs> I don't want to go on after yeah. that. Like, that is a good point because I've seen Alice, I think, like about 10 times or so in the last 10 years. Because my first time was 2000, uh, 2010. Mm-hmm. And half the times he's... He's been the opener or like the middle act, like because he opened up for um, Rob Zombie then, and then I've saw him open up for Iron Maiden too. I, I wouldn't want to go on after Alice, that's for sure. Yeah, it does seem like it's just like a, I guess, a hard thing to do. Um, I've even seen too, like I've been fortunate. I've got family in Phoenix, and uh, every year he does a Christmas like show, variety show, almost thing like a fundraiser for his Solid Rock organization. He does that the first weekend of December, and uh, so I go out and stay with my family, and then I've kind of, at first I dragged my uncle to that, but now he's just as excited to go to the Alice Cooper show as I am. Oh, the, the Christmas pudding? Yep, exactly, yeah. And that's the, the other side to it, too, is that uh, as a person, you know, he, yeah. Alice isn't, there's some entertainers that, like, you know, they they don't ever want you to see Bruce Wayne. They just want you to see Batman all the time. Yeah. You know? And, uh Alice is a great example of like, well, if, if you're Bruce Wayne, if your alter ego is a cool, decent person, well, then who cares, you know? Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, that's what it is. It's like, it's totally stripped down. It's just him and his band and they just plug in and play nice. and there's no props or anything. So yeah, like you said, exactly to your point about him just being a performer, the consummate performer. He just owns it every time. Yeah. Yeah. And then even he did one... Uh, set I saw with the Hollywood vampires too. Johnny Depp was there. That proves that that Alice loves what he does because at his age he could and and, his, and with the amount of success that that Alice Cooper has achieved, you know he he very clearly could post. You know yeah. like that's the last guy who really needs to have a second band. You know what I mean? And then he went and did Hollywood Vampires and and that's a great band as well. You know he didn't need to do that. Yeah. How did you get hooked up with him for the coffee line that you have? Did you actually reach out to his people? Yeah, I mean, I did, but we did it all through his, his uh, merch company. So I wasn't granted any favors. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I mean, only the favor in that it's like, oh, it's AC. He has our blessing. But uh, aside from that, like I still had to apply for it. I still had to earn it, so mm-hmm. to speak. So, yeah, I did it through through the merch company and then it has to get approved by management. It's got approved by 
Alice. Is he a coffee drinker? A bit. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he has the song Caffeine. Oh, yeah, know. true. Yeah. <laughs> I think that was really cool because that's kind of what put Catfight on my radar. And then um, I've been buying it ever since the last like two years. Well, thanks, man. Or more. Thank yeah. That's the one thing with Catfight is that we don't do licenses with anyone that we don't like, that we don't believe in, that we aren't familiar with. Yeah. You know, it's it would be very easy to just slap a logo on a bag and call it a day. I mean, so for example, the company that we do Alice's coffee with, they they need like so, you know, the, the licensing company, their job is to generate revenue for their client, right? Yeah. So they have a bunch of bands, and they're always like, "Why don't you do a coffee with this company, or why don't you do a coffee? Uh, why don't you do a coffee with this band? Why don't you do a coffee with this that band?" And I'm like, "I'm, I'm not really yeah. interested," you know. So no. It's more personal to you. Absolutely. Yeah, I really like those sweatpants that you guys put out. Oh, thanks, um, man. Except I had to buy a second pair because I tried to do yoga in the pants and I ripped the crotch out. Really? <laughs> yeah. I'm surprised, surprised to hear that. Shit. Oh, it's okay. Well, like I knew better because they're more, for me at least, they're more lounge pants because yeah, yeah. I'm wearing them right now, but where the uh, pockets sit is right at the kneecaps. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like my mobility is a little bit like, you know, I can't exercise in it. You know, it's funny. We, we put a lot into those. Like those yeah. aren't, Again, back to authenticity, you know, eat with all like like our T-shirts. Yeah, it's like we they're, they're blank T-shirts, they're Guten T-shirts, but we generally use Plastisol or a single pass on the ink so that it gets that soft feel yeah. with our hoodies and, and sweatpants. We designed them ourselves like we, we didn't they we super easily could have just slapped our logo on a hoodie. We could have slapped the logo on a pair of regular old sweatpants. We don't do that. We 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 actually work with a manufacturer, work with a designer. Like that, the whole way those cargo pants go inside, and the way that that flap comes over, it was like, all right, like how can we not have a button? How can these not look like that guy walking around the mall with the big baggy cargo pockets? You know, and you're yeah. like, what the fuck does that guy have in all those pockets? You know, so and the zippers, it was like, all right, well you sit down in sweatpants in the car. Your keys always fall out. So let's put zippers on the pocket so that if you have keys in those pockets, nothing can fall out, you know. Man, that is a good point because I have another pair of almost like um, yoga exercise pants. And every time I sit down, yeah, they always slide down in between the seat. Exactly. So good thinking on that. Yeah, like I even like how there's even the little, you've got a little orange like stripe in there too. Pretty yeah. neat. They're very, they're really well thought out. Yeah. I just tried to stretch too much, I guess, overextended and your point because because i do yoga as well my yoga pants are, are are a different material yeah whereas those were made to be a little bit more rugged and and a little more warmer how long have you been doing yoga for Ooh, ever since i started playing for joan um because when i was touring with joan we flew everywhere when i, we, I first joined the band i was like oh that's the coolest thing ever that we fly everywhere yeah. and what i didn't realize is okay so you sit in a cab on the way to the airport. You sit in the back seat of a cab. Then you get to the airport and then you're sitting on a bench. Then you get and you're sitting in a plane and you're all crump, cramped up on the plane. Then we get to where we gotta be and then we're in a van and you're cramped in the van. And by the time I would get to the hotel room, I would just be so tight from all the sitting. Yeah. And, and so really it was all the sitting that we were doing that got me into it. So I'd say I've been doing it for about 10 years. I'm not super active in it. I do about 10, 15 minutes a day. Yeah. about it you know i i, I don't I, and i do it all out of my house on youtube videos 
Cool. That's how I actually started. I've got some, like, I guess, bad anxiety. And about two years ago, I looked into maybe I should just try to relax more. And I looked up free yoga on, on YouTube. And, yeah, it's helped. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. It um, definitely helps. It's a great way to start the day, for sure. All, all the breath work and everything. I've tried to do that at the end of the day, actually. Um, I guess winding oh, okay. down. So, yeah. <laughs> That's good. Thanks for chatting all about Alice Cooper. That's my favorite subjects, Alice Cooper and coffee, you know? Yeah. Do you have any one last little thing? Do you have a top five songs? Ballad of Dwight Fry would be at the top. Muscle of Love, Long Way to Go, Raped and Freezing. <laughs> and probably, let me go with something, Bodies. All those are pretty much the old school, the band stuff. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, then, but if we were to do a top 10, you know, I'd probably throw in Roses on White Lace. Let me think. What what, what are some other stuff? I, I can't lie. I wasn't crazy about Hey Stupid, but you can't deny that it's a good song. Trash has Poison on it. House of Fire is pretty cool. Yeah, I'd probably that probably rounds it out. Hmm. I mean, I like Brutal Planet, the Blunt, Brutal Planet record a lot too. Yeah. Dragon Town have some good stuff on it. Oh man, um, you just you just reminded me of one that uh, I guess I need to revisit that Dragon Town one because there's one song that I love on there, the um, Elvis song. He's singing about Elvis being fat or something. Disgraceland. I want to tell you a story. I happened long ago about a redneck ball. Down from Tupelo I got sleep black hair I play a rock guitar I like to shake my hips, man Oh man, I went too far It seemed like, I think with that record He kind of brought back some of the humor Or something, because maybe some of the other ones He was like, was more all about uh, The girls, um, even the horror movie stuff But yeah. he started bringing the humor back But I mean, he always had that, that You know, even like with, uh, with uh, Untitled Sweet, you know Yeah um, Going to the dentist, and Dennis says, "Your li- lips are, your teeth are okay, but your gums gotta go." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Have you seen? Speaking of that, like I got a concert video where he comes out, he's doing that on tour, and he's got a big like toothbrush, and there's people in yeah. little teeth costumes. I'd say, we, I guess that's probably where we, we with the murder dolls, our, our singer used to bring a giant toothbrush out on stage. But that was, I think we got that more from Pee Wee Herman because there, there's a scene in Pee Wee's Big Adventure where he's got a giant toothbrush. And also, <laughs> at the time, we were just taking the piss out of guitar solos. Like it was like uh, it was right during the guitar solo. Bring out a giant toothbrush. Like it's just making fun of the silliness of guitar solos. Yeah. At the top. Like what was that Jimmy Page and like the <laughs> exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, dude, I totally appreciate you doing this and talking to me. I guess I'm not really that good at like ending it either. Like I'm not good at the ending and the starting, but at the middle, I guess. My wife says the same thing about me with sex. <laughs> oh, man. That we can end the episode. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yep. <laughs> I do appreciate you doing this. And it's cool that you're so accessible, too, on Instagram and everything like that. And you're doing the cattail hours and things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, thank you. I, I like it that way anyway. I mean, you can look at things two different ways. I mean... You know, I, I know some extremely successful people. Some of them can't even leave their house without a bodyguard. You know what I mean? Yeah. One of the things I'm, I'm lucky about is that I don't need to, like, if, if I want to go to the grocery store right now, I can go. And I don't need to be like, where's my driver? Where's my bodyguard? Like, 
well, shit, I can't go to the grocery store. I'll have to send somebody else and then they go for you and then they don't get the right thing or they have to FaceTime the grocery shop. And, and I'm kind of, I'm lucky in the sense that, that, that I, that I kind of get the best of both worlds. I mean, yeah. who knows? I, I probably wouldn't mind giving it a try to find out what those types of problems are like in life. But I also realize the freedom that I have that it's weird. Some, some of those really successful people, they don't have as much freedom as I do in many ways, you know? So I'm pretty lucky that way. Yeah. Um, all right, dude. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. All right, brother. Thank you, AC. Well, have a good one. You too. Uh, thank you. Yeah. I'll see you. Huge thanks going out to AC Slade for being my guest for this episode of A-Sides. I had a blast chatting with him. And you can find his Catfight Coffee brand at catfightcoffee.com, which even includes the Alice Cooper coffee. And also definitely dive into Alice Cooper whenever you get a chance. You won't be disappointed. He's got so many albums going back to the 70s with his band, solo albums, as we stated, the Hollywood Vampire. So tons of Alice Cooper stuff to dive into online if you feel so inclined. So thank you for joining us for episode 122 of A-Sides.